0: Today on Sagittarian Matters, advice, exes, polyamory, attachment styles, limerence, and more, with my guest, Michelle T. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. Why? Michelle T is a writer, a filmmaker, and a regular contributor to Sagittarian Matters. She's the author of the books Against Memoir, A Mermaid in Chelsea Creek, The Chelsea Whistle, and so many more. Michelle is even the founder of Drag Queen Story Hour. Michelle joined me in the Sagittarian Matters remote Glendale studio to answer your questions as our resident expert in all things limerence and polyamory. Stay tuned after the show to hear about her new live talk show and about Ponyo's very special appearance. Now, please enjoy my talk with Michelle T.
1: Michelle T., welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. So happy to be here again.
0: You have some Sagittarius... In your chart.
1: Oh, yeah. Prominently, I have a Sagittarius moon, and my Mars is in Sagittarius. What is the Mars for? Is that sex? It's sex, and it's also, like, conflict. It's, like, where you get sort of heated. So it's sort of... um, I I feel like my tendency to, like, respond to things really defensively kind of maybe comes from my Sag-moon-Mars combo.
0: And my Mars is in Capricorn?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you must be very, um, hmm, like responding to conflict in a very um, calculated way mm. to make sure that you come out on top. Mm. Chris, cut all this out. Just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cut all this out so it looks like I come out on top. <laughs> Michelle, we have some advice questions today.
1: Yeah, we do. We do. Let's see. Here, here's the very first one. It's a very simple one. Um, and it is, when will I stop taking my ex back, LOL?
0: Hmm. Lol. Dear Sagittarian matters, when will I stop taking my ex back? I think I think someone there's a saying, you know, like you, just when you get uncomfortable enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess if you keep taking them back, you just still feel like there's something there. I don't know, you know, I'm a, I'm a. One of my professions is I'm a professional tarot reader. And so I give people a lot of readings that, like, they'll ask me an advice question and I will want to answer them just like, well, this is what Michelle thinks. Michelle thinks, like, what are you doing, you know? But then I pull the cards and the cards are like, yes, you still should go forward into that totally counterintuitive situation. And I think that sometimes, like, we get things out of complicated or difficult arrangements that are actually important for us in different ways. So even if, I mean, obviously you don't want to be in an abusive situation, no one's suggesting that, but if it's sort of like this weird thing and it's maybe a little painful, but you still feel connected to it or you still have a hope or you feel like there's something more to be gotten from it, um, I just wouldn't. Make it worse for yourself by, like, beating yourself up about it. No. You
0: know? But if it's a bad... If it's a situation that you've chosen to leave before, don't forget that. When your brain is kind of going over the nostalgia mm. tapes and your brain's like, remember when we cuddled? Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, the cuddling. And That's really true. But then, like, you know what it was helpful for me once? I was in a situation that was less than ideal. And I... I don't remember why, but one morning, maybe i had had to Skype. I don't remember why, but I took a picture of myself one morning and my eyes were all red from crying. And I looked like, I think I was trying to smile. Something cute was happening. Like a bunch of dogs were on top of me and I was like, I'm going to take a picture. And I looked at it and I was like, that girl looks fucking busted. Like I just looked sad. I just looked really tired and really sad. And it was just because of this relationship, nothing else. And I was like, okay, this is my little thing I'm going to look at. And Ryan, remember like, Oh, this is another side of this relationship. Do I want to feel this way?
1: Right. Maybe make a list. Maybe make a list like when you're not feeling like super like triggered by the situation, but just like in a moment of like cool headedness, if you can kind of get there of just like, what do you get out of the relationship? And then what is the relationship taking from you? Like what's the, what tolls does it take on you?
0: And if something else was going on right now that fed you, like, if you weren't, you know, it's a kind of like the thing, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah. Are you lonely and tired? Like, are you, if something else was there to, felt a little more healthy to fill that space, would you be
1: texting your ex? Totally. And, like, I don't know. I know whenever I am at the end of a relationship, um, and I've been at the end of many, I always am like, that was it. That was the last one. There's nobody else out there. You know, and it's like really common, I think, to feel like that, like when you're saying goodbye to somebody. And sometimes that can just make you want to cling more to the person who's leaving because you just feel like no one will ever do X, Y and Z to me or get me in that particular way or some, you know, whatever it is you say to yourself that isn't true.
0: But it's, yeah, because you're a person out in the world. Life is long. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us feel like, you know, once you're not 25 anymore, you're like, oh, I'm all washed up. <laughs> but as somebody who has volunteered with senior citizens, I can tell you, they wish that they were, like, 60 again. Like, they just, they're like, <laughs> oh, my God, 50? What a gift. 35? I was a child. Right. So whoever you are, I'm pretty sure this caller is not somebody who's, like, 75 years old. Is it? Right. But if you are, like... Have some nice time alone because the <laughs> ladies I know that were in their 70s and 80s were like, uh, no thanks, don't want another husband, just got rid of the last one, I oh finally get to God. live alone. So there's another perspective for There you. is
1: another perspective. Always look to the elderly for the real truth. It's it's
0: it's nice to like look at somebody who can give you the arc of a life.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. it
0: feels, when you're in it, like this is all there is.
1: Totally, totally. But like... Seriously, this person is probably, what, 30-something years old? Yeah. Just thinking of your your demographic, Nicole. Thanks. You know? And, uh, yeah, there's, like, I, I remember um, once when I had just broken up with someone and I was feeling that feeling, like, well, that was that. And then I, I happened to be in an incredibly beautiful location when this happened. I was, like, in the Yucatan, and I went for a snorkel. And I was, like, God, there's so many fish in the sea. <laughs> <Stop>. There's so I. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, there's so many, there are so many fish in this, I just like, like I was literally in the, at the source of the cliche and it made me feel so much better. And guess what? There are so many fish in the sea. I've dated so many people since that person.
0: Seriously. Yeah, I, life. This is my, I haven't had to do this for a while, but, um. I've had moments in my life where I was like, "How do you get over a crush? Like, if you have a crush that's just like all-consuming and yeah. it's just not going to pan out for whatever reason." Mm-hmm. And I like to because I have a lot of friends that I've had for many years. You can call one of those friends like, "Will you remind me of all the bozos I've had a big crush on oh over the years?" Oh my god, that's
1: so funny! <laughs> and then
0: they can tell you people that would like curl your hair, like that would, you know
1: you have forgotten that you've like totally blocked out of your mind yeah that you
0: were like no this is it this is like the best person in the oh whole my god. world that's it's really funny it's like fun to embarrass yourself a little bit yeah yeah
1: <laughs> oh my god that's that's a really that's a good trick
0: And put it in pers- it puts it in perspective too yeah where you could also remember like how like obsessed you were with whatever person at whatever time and be like okay well here we are now yeah how glad are you that that didn't last forever oh my god. maybe in a year you're going to be really glad that this isn't lasting forever yeah anyway but with yeah. anything you just have to get uncomfortable enough that you leave and yeah
1: yeah you may just you'll self- know when you're over it that's what i think you're just like not over it yet yeah 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 what's our next question um okay here is our next question okay and- cool okay dear, i am dear, oh, so, <clears throat> dear sagittarian matters oh, <laughs> I am dating a married woman. She's Polly and on paper it's fine, but it feels increasingly like the walls are caving in because her partner has more and more boundaries. First no fluid bonding, which is chill, but then lots of days when we're forbidden to hang, no sleepovers, etc. When I do hang with the babe, the wife demands she text to say to say she still loves her. Should I bother? There's not a lot of dykes my age where I live, and otherwise I think this babe is just lovely.
0: Hmm. Okay. Ugh. Can I answer the non-poly person's answer?
1: Yeah. What's the non-poly person?
0: Because answer? Michelle, you are my
1: expert. You're my guest expert. I've been right poly now. for one year, so I'm now the Sagittarian matters polyamory expert.
0: You're a resident polyamory <laughs> expert. Um, I I think that you need to think about what your motivations are for being in this because if you're talking to someone who's married and poly. There's a slot in that person's life that's already taken, and if you don't respect that slot, then you maybe don't have any business here. This is my opinion as a non non I disagree with non person, <laughs> but I'm just like you know what like no fluid bonding. Yeah, that's a that's a great rule. You're a totally random person having your own sexual life. Why your the wife doesn't want to bring that back home? And um, the the texting to say she still loves her. I just think that that seems like maintenance for their relationship
1: that has nothing to do with you. Yes, it does because that person is in that relationship, and it's taking up time in that relationship. All right, so tell if me everything. Making it that couple is, this is a couple that's doing polyamory really poorly. <gasps> Dare what? I say? All right. Um and like being non-monogamous, where you're just sleeping with somebody and then coming back is one thing, but when. You are actually, poly, polyamory means like many loves. Yeah. So you're actually having relationships with people. So you have to actually be as respectful to these people as you are to your, quote, primary partners. Anything less than that is actually not an ethical way to be. So, I mean, no fluid bonding, sure. But is that forever? Or is that, neg- you know, mm. it's like, the, there's a really great book. It's, it's called More Than Two. And it's this giant ass poly book that these like poly dude, some poly dude wrote in like the nineties, but it's still totally. Um, I mean, it's it's very heterosexual and very and and kind of male. The, there there are a lot of female stories in there and 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 queer stories too, but it's still. Anyway, I'm gonna not tear it down because I actually think it's a really great resource, and it talks about this kind of stuff. And what's basically going on with this couple is that they're just scared. Mm. And there's it's like the 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 impulse to make a lot of rules, like you need to text me and say that you love me. It's like well, that's probably actually not going to solve whatever the problem, like what is the problem? Like mm. that partner needs a sort of reassurance. Why do they need a reassurance while their person's on a date with someone else? Like mm. that's actually disrespectful to that person. Ooh. And that person gets to like value their time and their and, and, you know, expect a certain type of, um, you know, treatment from their date, whether or not their date is poly or not. So it's like, yeah, it's like everyone gets to like ideally in a situation like this, there's rules are negotiable and the the the, the new partners who come in, their needs matter too.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah. Interesting. How would you suggest
0: the new partner approach this conversation hmm. about the rules that feel a little
1: squeaky to them? Um, I think that if they are, I mean, all of this said, it's like how much do you want to get up in another person's marriage and their their business? You know what I mean? Because like this is clearly like these are they're um, having a sort of it feels like these people are having a sort of messy time of negotiating their polyamory, and it's really hard. I mean, it is really challenging. Um, so I'm not like even though I sound really judgy, like I'm not. I'm just like oh, that's just like the wrong way to handle mm-hmm. your your totally valid feelings of fear and 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 rejection and all of that other stuff. I think that it's totally reasonable for this person to be like, are these nego- are these rules negotiable? Like, what if I get an STI check? Can we fluid bond then? If I show that, you know, that I don't have any STIs and I'm not actively sleeping with anybody else right now. Like, like things need to be, like, ideally in polyamory, all the relationships are able to grow as much as they're reasonably able to grow, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, and, like, can the wife, like... Find a different way to get, um, reassured instead of having the person having to have her partner interrupt the date. Mm. Like, is there something else that they can do? You know, like, yeah. Like, can they all hang out and go for coffee and meet each other and not be like boogeymen to each other Mm -hmm. and actually see that like, oh, these are just all like nice people who are just trying to feel loved and get loved and hold on to their love. And then like, maybe that might actually, um, kind of take some of the 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 heat off of it
0: yeah i agree with you yeah i agree
1: yeah i mean because it's like you know ideally if you're if you're polyamorous you're still that that doesn't mean like you know i I get to treat you kind of like poorly yeah and it's okay because i'm my my wife is making me treat you kind of poor like that doesn't work you know
0: i guess i always think about it as like You know, it's going to be like, for some people, it's going to be as casual as casual gets. Mm -hmm. And so if you're coming at it from like a long-term relationship kind of standpoint, where you're like, we're going to sleep over and we're going to be fluid bonded and you're going to, I'm going to see you as much as I want to see you and blah, blah, blah. That to me feels like... You might be in the wrong. The wrong sure. store.
1: Yeah, I mean there's definitely restraints on polyamorous relationships for sure. Um but I guess it's the idea is like to find out like well why are these rules here and are is there room to negotiate? Is this like a temporary thing? Um what what else can happen? How how else I mean, you know, I wish that the that the couple was list, the the like the married couple w- was listening to this because they it's like they are the people who really need maybe a little advice or like, I don't know if they, I mean, it's, it's hard. Like I don't, we, we don't really know a lot of other poly people. So we, we get all of our information from like books. Um, but it's helpful to even read books and just to hear like, how do other people do these things? Because it, it makes sense initially when we started, we had a million rules also. And then very quickly you realize, oh, these rules are just in place because we're scared. And like, how else can we reassure each other and trust each other? Because mm-hmm. the rules actually make everything really difficult and they're not very respectful to third parties so what's more respectful to, and trusting like what's a different way to kind of go towards it yeah yeah good advice michelle oh, thanks, thanks for being man. a resident poly expert I believe it. i'm so i'm so proud of myself
0: today's episode is brought to you by kylie oram Elise Miller, Starshine Christian, Hannah Harding, Aisha West, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Harrod, Jill Soloway, and Mary Pinson. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, including producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $25 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet, like the insect, leg, like its appendage, at gmail. Or, this just in... Producer Chris has a Venmo. Send him a tip. His name on Venmo is Hell Books. That's H-E, double hockey sticks, books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's new speaking voice. Dear Sagittarian Matters, My former girlfriend and I dated for 14 months. She is 49 and I am 52. We loved each other, but we're we're not, quote, in love. While we had some differences in personalities and opinions, we still enjoyed a variety of activities together. We also had many of the same dreams for our retirements. I thought we had a solid foundation, that our basic compatibility and the love we had for each other made for a great long-term relationship. My girlfriend, on the other hand, feels the glue that holds a relationship together is to be totally in love and to have butterflies in the stomach whenever we are with each other. We continue to speak on the phone. I miss her and she misses me. Please share your thoughts. From Confused in Connecticut. Ugh, this is too open-ended of a question. This is, this is not like an etiquette
1: question. This is just like,
0: what do you think? Like, what we think isn't going to, I guess it'll be helpful to you.
1: I mean, it would would be, yeah, it would be helpful to, to confused maybe to have like somebody share some insight. I mean, I feel like I'm sort of like a confused former girlfriend. Like I really need to have an experience of that in love butterflies in the stomach to sort of really, um, help me bond with a person and with a situ, a romantic situation. And without that, I don't, I think I would maybe feel a little, um, I don't know. It wouldn't, it wouldn't really feel like the one or something to me because I know what that experience is like. And it's so, it's so incredible that I would feel kind of sad that I wasn't having that experience. I would miss that level of connection with the person. Yeah. Um, even though I understand that to be limerence. And mm-hmm. there's a time limit on it. I think it's like three years max. You Wait, are can in you limerence. define
0: limerence for listeners? Yes,
1: limerence is this this moment right when you're quote in love and you get butterflies in the stomach and you want to do crazy things because you're you know kind of like make crazy love gestures for the person you're in love with, like run away with them or just you know it's a bunch of chemicals that get released in your body. I think they're akin to cocaine, and they just make you. Um, out of your mind. Like people who are in love are literally, they're, they're really, they're lunatics. It's madness, but it feels so great. And, um, and it's so fun. And it's such a, it's such a beautiful experience that, you know, I, I think that you, even though I understand that it is a bunch of uh, chemical fireworks, I think that without those chemical fireworks, um, I would feel a little, um, like I would be looking elsewhere. I think I'd have a wandering eye, being like, "Could I, is there somebody else that could give me those fireworks?"
0: Mm-hmm. And you've been in a relationship for a long
1: time. Yeah, you've so been in I'll several relationships for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those at the start of them, I had those experiences, mm-hmm. and I and I understand what they are. And um, so when they go away, it's okay because you just under, you know that that's going to happen, and other things you know replace that um, those kind of like new relationship energy vibes. But, um, but I understand that, like, I understand why if somebody is used to having that, it sounds like maybe this person's had that experience before. And if they're not feeling it, that might just be a message to them that like, you know, that there's something missing for them. There's a dimension of like love, romance, sex, that's like physical that's, that they're missing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This person sounds like they're looking for a very practical relationship.
1: Yeah. And that's okay. It is okay. Those things are really important too. And those things do kind of keep people together for the long haul, you know? Um, And maybe this person hasn't had that experience themselves of like the crazy butterflies, you know, or maybe they did and it wasn't a good experience and they don't necessarily value or trust it, you Mm know? Um, Ideally, I think you have both of those things, right?
0: yeah and I say this person says we continue to speak on the phone I miss her and she misses me and it's okay
1: yeah that's natural it's totally natural to miss somebody that you that that is like a lovely person that you've bonded with and spent time with
0: and you you know more will happen in your life mm -hmm. you're not a thousand years old and even if you were it would be okay to be alone yeah and they're, they're they're 52 years young
1: You are 52 years young. Yeah.
0: They got plenty of time left.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. People want love their whole lives. And, like, the way the world is now, it's not like people get, like, married off and go live on the farm and that's that. I mean, people have multiple relationships throughout their lives. I mean,
0: it's going to feel better for you, confused in Connecticut, to find somebody that you're not having to talk into a relationship or, like, shoehorn into being with you because you're like, but look, we like the same breakfast cereal. Come on. (laughs) How am I supposed to find another person like that? Like... You, like Michelle said, after snorkeling, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of fish there's in the sea. There's
1: literally so many fish in the sea. Even though there are technically less than there used to be, there's yeah. still so many.
0: I, I used to have this little bit of an infinite feeling. And then once I was listening to Savage Love and Dan Savage was like doing the numbers of how many people were actually gay and then how many people actually were gay in a particular city and into whatever subculture. <sighs> and then I just got this like very intense restricted limited feeling where i was like oh my god there's only like 14 there's oh, only like 14 of them. that's horrible because i was like okay wait i was like there are a million people in the world but or how you know not one million but a lot of people in the world i was right. like but how many of them are gay and then how many of them are queer and how many of them are of an age that i think is okay and how right. many of them are into the actual weird specific things that i've been totally. and how I just, many of
1: them have like the gender that you're attracted to yeah. like oh, oh my god, god. oh it's uh, that's the, numbers,
0: the numbers were staggering. And yet I continue to meet queer people I've never met before yeah. all the time. And it's surprising because I feel like I know every queer person. Yeah.
1: I know. It's cool, right? Yeah. They just keep coming out of like small towns and yeah. whatever. And it's not because yeah. they're
0: like have just, it's not because like they're 18 years old and no. they just got out of
1: their parents' I mean, house. And there's those, them too. There's them too. Uh, but yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's just because I just didn't know them because I don't actually know. Everybody. I don't know everybody. I don't know everything. Yeah. Even though everyone
1: might know you you don't know that I don't know them. yeah they
0: think they know me you don't know me (laughs) (laughs) I think yeah I think we gave good advice to this person you think so you don't want to be in a situation where you feel like you to talk somebody into it
1: yeah no you don't that's a bummer I mean everyone needs to be like joyfully consenting at all times right
0: yeah and I I kind of think even oh I guess this person does feel this way but I kind of feel like even if you're not having like the maniacal butterflies of limerence you should still feel like oh my gosh I'm so lucky
1: yeah, I can't believe
0: my good fortune that I met totally. this person.
1: Yeah, totally. Meaning, like, they're like this person deserves someone, whether they, or not they are feeling limerence, that just like values them okay. and values who they are. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. Can you describe? Um Another term – I feel like limerence is a term I learned from you. And another term is an intrigue.
1: Oh. And I feel like
0: I try to use that on the streets and people don't necessarily understand. Really?
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I, don't, I know I didn't make it up, but I don't remember where I heard it. Intriguing is when, like, you're, like, having sort of, like, flirty vibes and energy with somebody, but it's kind of, like, not necessarily going anywhere. Like, it could go somewhere. That's the fucking thing with an intrigue. It always feels like it could go somewhere. I feel like they tend to not go anywhere, oh. but sometimes they do lead to an actual date and, and more in actual, you know, connections and stuff. But a lot of times you can just be intriguing with somebody. Some people are just like maybe a little avoidant, but they like really like to intrigue or maybe somebody is like um, shy and they really like to intrigue or they're actually like partnered and they like to intrigue. So it can be... um misleading if you're mm. more kind of action slash goal oriented and really want to take it to the next level. And
0: then they're like, oh no no I was just having a good time texting you.
1: Basically, yeah, totally, totally. Intriguing. It's a good time. We don't have any questions about
0: attachment styles.
1: No, we don't, but we were just having
0: a conversation about attachment styles. Because Michelle's reading a book called oh. Attached. <laughs> you know, my old therapist recommended it to me and then she revealed that she had not actually read it. And Come so then I didn't read
1: it. Oh, she's uh, like, I saw on Goodreads it had a four out of five stars. Yeah,
0: she's like, oh, I haven't had time to read it, but I just, I was like, what? I like, I think I had gotten it at the library. So maybe it was a different book about attachment styles. And I was like, I read the book you gave me for um, homework, and she's like, oh yeah, was it good?
1: What? Therapists. Screw you, ladies. <laughs> I'm enjoying uh, I'm enjoying attached. It's one of it's it's sitting right on top of more than two, the poly book. It's like on my stack of uh, self help books that are by, on my bedside table.
0: Is the ethical slut in your
1: stack? It's not. Thank it's God. not in the, <laughs> but I, I do think somebody one of the authors of the Ethical Slut did the intro to um to more than two. More than two is giant. I'm like never going to read another book about polyamory after this one because it's just, it's so enormous.
0: You've given your time.
1: Yeah. I'm like, time. I get, I get it. I get how it works. Can
0: we do this like layman's guide to the attachment styles? Yeah. Wait, somebody I know, Katie, Dr. Katie Spencer, who's been on the show. Oh, described she, it in a real
1: doctor. She
0: described it in baby terms, but I can't remember.
1: Well, it, because it's, it, it became, it, it's a, it's a theory that originated with children where there's, um babies, they did a study of babies who, um, basically, they put a baby in a room with really great toys and with their mother. And then they had the mother leave the room and come back to the room. And they observed how the baby acted throughout. So an anxiously attached baby loses their shit when the mom leaves. And then when the mom comes back, it's just, like, all over the mom and clinging and just, like, has a hard time kind of coming down from it. Um, A securely attached baby... Also, is just sort of like where'd my mom go? Like no one wants their mom to leave. But then when the mom comes back, they're like, "Oh, cool, mom's back." Okay, and they and they go back to playing. Um, and then an avoidant attached um, just kind of acts like they don't care. <laughs> she said, "She
0: said the avoidant attached baby when the mom comes back, the baby's smoking a cigarette." <laughs>
1: I'm like Dr. <laughs> Katie Spencer. That's this hilarious. Like, cool. Where you been? Yeah, basically, like, yeah, that's cool. I'm here with these toys anyway. I mean, I kind of solved it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, inside, they are just as shook as the anxious one. So it's not like they don't care. It's a defense mechanism. Um, and just how like the anxious attached kid that's a defense mechanism too that's like i'm going to make sure my mom never leaves again i'm going to like cling cling to her like that's what they're that's how they're solving the problem the other baby is solving the problem being like fuck you i, I don't need you <laughs> and they're like two years old and you're like how do they even know how do humans even know to like Play that game so young it's so gnarly but anyway these are the games we continue to play as grown-ups you know so people who are anxious attached um, have a hard time trusting they get really nervous they they obsess on the relationship um, they need a ton of reassurance um they feel they get really scared a lot that things are going wrong or that they're going to be devastated they're devastated when relationships end secure attachment or just what it sounds like like they fr- are pretty cool with trusting um i think also this has to do with like making good choices too they probably make choose choose other securely attached people so nothing is really too jumbled and um they can just kind of go out into the world and not worry about their relationship it's like their relationship takes care of itself and then avoidant people are just sort of like um intimacy averse and they're just they get really tripped out if somebody like likes them <laughs> like seems to need anything from them wants to bond with them wants to be demonstrative with them wants their time like has any expectations and yeah, so, um, So. and then, you know, people, it's complicated. Like, some people do, t- it seems like people do tend to run, like, one way or the other. But then, like, I don't know, like, I'm securely attached with my spouse, but I have been anxiously attached in other relationships because I was with an avoidant person. Mm-hmm. Avoidant person, if I'm with an avoidant person, it will totally bring out my anxious attachment. But if I'm with a secure person, I am also a secure person. Mm-hmm. Um, some people flip. Some people are anxious in some relationships and avoidant in others, um, I think that's called chaotic attachment when you have a little of both. But you said two avoidants rarely date each other. Yeah, because nothing there's no, nothing keeping it together. You know, <laughs> you need that anxious person there clinging on, sending the texts. <laughs> you know, being like, hey, you're in a relationship right now. <laughs> um, it's horrible. I've been. I feel like I've been in all of them. I feel like I've been definitely been um, anxiously attached to avoidant people, and it feels so awful. Um, and I wish I knew about these theories during those times because it would have made me, I just would have had so much more insight into what my experience was. But even since opening up my relationship, um, and becoming polyamorous, it's made me more anxious. It's like triggered anxious, um, Mm. anxious attachment because something that was, um, secure suddenly has all these like, whoa. So like on some sort of like deep primal level, I'm like, my little lizard brain is like what's happening what's happening what's happening is everything cool is everything cool and mm-hmm. so it's making me it's made me a little bit um anxious attachment and which I'm, is normal i guess how do
0: you soothe down from that
1: um i research how to soothe down from that i google how to soothe down from that um i'm going to therapy i'm reading books like attached i'm like following people who um like on on like social media who like there's this really great um, therapist, actually, I think her handle is Somatic Witch, and she deals specifically with, like, the um, central nervous system and attachment and, um, like, abandonment stuff and with polyamory and, like, BDSM and stuff, and she's mm-hmm. queer. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, just, like, learning more about it because I think that there's a weird so many people think you're insane when you open up your relationship that it's, I feel like there's a pressure to be like, it's cool. Everything's great. We love our polyamorous life all <laughs> the time. And sometimes it's really challenging. And, um, it's, it's good to know that like, just cause it's challenging doesn't mean like you're doing it wrong or it's not for you or you can't have that kind of relationship. It's like, it's, it's it actually can be an accelerated which because it's accelerated it's maybe a little more painful sometimes but an accelerated path to sort of working with all of this stuff Mm -hmm. so so yeah Hmm. yeah i like that yeah it's
0: cool if you have an advice question for sagittarian matters call or text our advice hotline 971-361-9998 leave a message we might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Michelle, do you have any last bits of advice for our listeners?
1: Um, I just think that everyone should go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, easier said than done, I know, in our world. And um, I guess that's it. Um, thin Mint Girl Scout Cookies are vegan. Put them in the freezer mm-hmm. for a minty, icy delight. Yep. Um, I think that's really all I have right now.
0: I want to say sometimes I think even imperfect therapy is
1: better than no therapy. Yeah, because it just keeps you in a space where you're thinking about your problems and you're like actively. I, I sometimes it just it just requires your attention and you can get so much unraveling done from just like paying attention.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the therapists I've had that have fucked up the most, I've still gotten good
1: stuff from them. I I would agree with like, I look back on some therapists that I've had and I'm just like, that was a terrible therapist. But at the time I was definitely helped by them. Yeah. 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 So go to therapy. Go to therapy. Eat Thin Mints. Um, Watch Lost. Watch Lost.
0: There's plenty of episodes.
1: Um, Take a bath. Learn about attachment theory Learn about attachment. and limerence. Mm. Find out what, what chemicals are going on in your body when you fall in love. Because then you can just, like, also sometimes, like, chill out and not take it so seriously also.
0: Like, yeah, I think, like, it, it's easier to pump the brakes when you understand that you're on a trip. Yeah. That, like, you just ate magic mushrooms
1: that are limerence. Totally. And so it's
0: easier to not, like,
1: sign a lease. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can know, like, oh, like, I'm somebody who gets those chemicals pretty powerfully, pretty quickly. And I have learned, like, oh, I'm not necessarily... Like, sometimes I am in love, but I'm not necessarily in love. Like, I might also just be, like, swept away by, like, good, sexy chemicals that are now flooding my body. My poor little sober alcoholic body. So desperate for a high.
0: Like, am I freelancing
1: right now? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Um,
0: I want to say, also, there's a a term in the lesbian lexicon called love jail. Yeah. um, Which is... A place where you go when you're in limerence with yes. somebody else. It's yeah. like a place that's very hard to return phone calls from. Yep. It's a place where all responsibilities, everything gets pushed aside yeah. in honor of you just being in like a weird sex fog. Yep. Sex fog, like just love
1: nest. I really used to think that Love Joe was a really was a sacred space. I have less respect for it now. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I still understand it. Like go there, go lock yourself in your love jail. But I guess maybe I just like myself I can't do that really anymore. Yeah. I mean I'm a mother for God's sake. Have you been waiting to use that line? I'm a mother for God's sake. It's really fun to sometimes you you know bring my child in like that like it is a justification for things. Yeah. Look <laughs> at a mother for God for God's sake. God's sake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Michelle, can you tell us about what you've been doing lately, what your project is?
1: Oh, I have a really great project and um it's called Your Magic. You should please immediately go to Instagram and follow us at this is your magic on Instagram and we have a podcast in the works and um it is you know basically we're doing shows um, we're building a podcast we're doing live shows and it's all around magic and mysticism and spirituality and belief systems with a little bit of the supernatural for fun for fun times and um, we're doing a live show once a month at the Lyric Hyperion in Los Angeles but what's super fun is that in April we are going to be in Portland at Psychic Sister and in May we're going to be in San Francisco at the Makeout Room and it's basically it's a mystical talk show and I'm I'm the host and I bring various guests on and off to talk about their mystic proclivities or um, the way that you know their spirituality might impact their art or their activism and uh, and I do live tarot readings for the audience.
0: And did you or did you not have producer Ponyo as a guest of a guest? Yes,
1: producer Ponyo was a a, a special guest. Um we had we just did uh one of these shows last weekend and we had uh, Chris Christine who is a uh, pet psychic and a in a, communic- a psychic medium and everyone brought dogs including Nicole brought Ponyo so that was extra special to get uh Ponyo and Chris Christine in conversation.
0: Chris Christine said to me she said, are you scared of Ponyo dying? And I was like, oh, not really. I don't know. And she's like, are you terrified of Ponyo dying? And I was like, I don't know, maybe. But she's like, well, don't be because she's going to be with you always. God. She wants me to tell you, you don't need to be scared because she's always going to be with you. Which oh, no, is just giving me so much love all of a sudden out of nowhere right now. Well, And then I remembered that she got her eyeball removed like two months ago and I was terrified. You were. That's something was going to happen to her. Yeah. She had to go under and... I have trauma from getting dog surgery that I feel like I wouldn't have gotten them. Oh, really? But I retrospectively... Anyway, she was like, don't worry. She'll always be with you. And I was like, she's just such a good dog. I love her. And Chris Christine said, she's your angel.
1: Oh, my God people were really getting beautiful messages from their pets via Chris Christine at the last year magic. It was really special. Um, we have one coming up in March. We have the comedian Sabrina Jaliz is going to be my Aries in residence because it's Mm -hmm. during Aries season and, um, Mary Elizabeth Evans, who does the spirit speak tarot decks Mm -hmm. is going to be there. Um, and La Loba Loca who is an herbalist in Los Angeles uh, Kate Schatz and Miriam Kleinstahl, who do the Rad American Women books. Oh, yeah. They're doing Rad American History and they're going to present their Salem, Massachusetts chapter, their witch cool. trial chapter. And our special guest who's swinging by for a tarot reading is Ann Friedman from, from Call, Call Your, Call Your Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Yeah. So follow us at uh, This Is Your Magic and you'll get all the info. And, um, you know, we're recording it all for podcasts. So if you don't live in LA, hopefully you'll get to hear it at some point. Yay. Well, Michelle, thanks for giving us your expert advice. Oh, God. Thanks for letting me just, like, put my two cents in, you know? Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. And we'll remember your snorkeling. (laughs) Your snorkeling list (laughs) of
1: There are a lot of fish in the sea, you guys.
0: (laughs) You know what? Strap on a snorkel mask if you don't believe her. Yeah.
1: Go in there. Go take a plunge, you know? Go to the Yucatan. I don't know. Go to Hawaii. Go to Monterey. I don't know. where. Go go into the ocean with a snorkel mask on.
0: The last thing I want to say is every time I snorkel immediately it's like someone presses play on under the sea from the little mermaid <laughs> when you see me floating out there by myself just know that in my head it's like <laughs> that ridiculous. I, love that
1: <laughs> so
0: much. I actually would like to have headphones like water headphones so i could just listen to the actual song oh my god while i am under the sea, under the
1: sea, yeah. which is like little lobsters shaking maracas yeah. and, and whatnot. Oh my god! Can
0: you just imagine seeing a school of fish swim by and it just seems like they're dancing to it? They're like, "We've got a hot crustacean band." Anyway. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Yikes. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sun with assistance by Panya Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.